Happy Sabbath once again, family. Listen, we're excited that you decided to tune in for us today because we got something good for you. Listen, for those of you who have been rocking with us for a while now, uh, we thank you for tuning in once again. But I'm extra excited on this Sabbath because we are kicking off our new series under the theme, Enough is Enough. Come on, go ahead and shout that from your bedroom, from your living room, from your garage and your car, wherever you are right now. Just shout, enough is enough. Yeah, I heard somebody there, you were loud. Uh, but, but, but listen, we are, we are pivoting into this, this new series. And although you might not know yet um, everything that is entailed in this series, I just wanna let you know that the Lord has breathed on what it is that we are doing now. And as a result of seeing what's been happening in the world um, and just being in tune in prayer, myself and uh, pastors Edmonds and, and Johnson, we have been in prayer. We've been discussing this thing with each other. We've been trying to see what the heart of God has to say. And, and he uh, inspired this theme, Enough is Enough. Now, for some of you, your mind has already started turning and, and spinning as to what it is that we could possibly be talking about and referring to when we say enough is enough. Somebody watching this right now has already began to declare enough is enough over some things in your life. Uh, some of you have had enough with your financial life. Some of you have had enough with your relational life. Some of you have had enough with your job life. Listen, wherever it is where you need to declare enough is enough, go ahead and shout that thing from the rooftops to yourself. Enough is enough. But here is what we have been, have been seeing, and we believe the Lord has blessed this direction that we are headed in. Uh, we're just seeing that in this, this day and age, and, and maybe it comes with the territory, uh, that, that there is a plethora of opinions right? Uh, we, all, we all want to be heard. We all want our voices uh, to be heard. We, we have something to say. And while all these different and varying viewpoints are going to and fro, and we're hearing what sister so-and-so has to say and brother so-and-so has to say, and even lending our own voices to various topics, we came together and said, listen, y'all, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I have to say. It does not even matter what you have to say. We want to hear what God has to say. And so we're declaring right now on behalf of the God who sent us that enough is enough. We want to hear what God's word has to say. We want to know what the heart of God has to say, because we believe that even in uncertain times like this, there is a sure word from the Lord. Is that good news to somebody today? And so we are kicking off this new series, Enough is Enough. And that's what I want to draw your attention to right now. If you can turn in your Bibles to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. That's where I want to draw your attention to. And I'm asking for your prayers, y'all, as we, as we seek what the Lord has to say. I will say this, just as a precursor, that as this theme is unfolding, this sermonic series, Enough is Enough, is unfolding, we've just felt led to, to see what the Lord has to say in these two books of First and Second Corinthians. And so you can read along with us, you can pray with us as we come before you and share what the Lord has given us to share. But I wanna turn your attention as we kick this thing off to First Corinthians chapter one. First Corinthians chapter one. And I wanna read a couple verses in your hearing. I wanna start with verses 18 and 19, and then I wanna skip down and read verses 26 to 31. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning at verse 18, here's what the Bible says, Paul speaking, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, 
It is the power of God. That's good news. That's the word, too. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing. Notice what the word says and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Now skip down with me to verse 26 and I'll read in your hearing verses 26 to the end of the chapter. For you see your calling. Here's where we're hanging our hats today. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But, but, but God has chosen. Here it is. The foolish things of the world. That's it. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has caused has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty and the base things of the world and the things which are despised. God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But but of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Verse 31, finally, that as it is written, he who glorifies, let him glory in the Lord. I want to reread verse 29 real quick, that no flesh should glory in his presence. I want to speak to you today under the subject, too woke, too woke. Lord, we thank you so, so much for this opportunity, for this time that we have to hear from you. Lord, this is what we need. This is what we long for. We need you, Lord, to speak a word, to share a word that, uh, that troubles the comfortable spirits. We need you to speak a word, Lord, that brings comfort to the uncomfortable. Lord, we just need you right now to show us what it is you would have us to do. Speak now for your servants are listening. In Jesus name we pray. Amen and amen. Too woke. Too woke is, is, is our subject for today. Uh, one of my favorite movies is Coach Carter. I, I'm a sports fan. Uh, basketball is my favorite sport and I love Coach Carter. Now, now I know that, that some of you watching this You've seen that movie before. Maybe you like that movie like I like that movie. Coach Carter is, is an excellent movie. And, and, and in addition to Coach Carter being uh, one of my favorite movies, there's a lesson in there that I want to bring out for us today. Coach Ken Carter, as displayed in this movie, inherited a basketball team full of unruly and undisciplined players. Like for all intents and purposes, they were losers. Like they fought more um, than they ever did winning or achieving any kind of success. They were undisciplined. Uh, they, they were losing on and off the basketball court. And this was the team that Coach Ken Carter, played by Samuel L. Jackson, inherited. Uh, a, a team, by the way, that he played for when he was a student at that very same school. And in an attempt to kind of turn things around in the lives of those players, both on and off the court, at their first team meeting, Coach Carter presented them with a contract. Now, now, on that contract were things such as uh, you had to, uh, to maintain a certain grade point average. On that contract, it said that not only did you have to attend your classes, but you had to sit at the front 
of your classes. Uh, in that contract, it said that they had to dress a certain way whenever game day arrived. And so when he gave the contract, one thing happened in particular. Two of the players that saw the contract and thought it was unnecessary uh, for him to require them to do those things, they threw their contracts on the floor, stormed out of the gym, and refused to play for Coach Carter. Now, as fate would have it, those two players that stormed out of the basketball gym that day just so happened to be the team's two best scorers the season before. Now, to add insult to injury, there was a third player that after a certain confrontation decided that he did not want to play for these unreasonable requirements that this coach was getting them to sign, and he stormed out of the gym. And just like that, this team that was already built on the hinges of losing, this team that already had a culture of losing, this team that was already a bad team was now even worse because all three of their top scorers were no longer on the team anymore. And so uh, nobody had any real expectations for them. Uh, nobody expected them to do much. I mean, they had no star players anymore. They had no proven scorers. They already had a culture of losing. So nobody really expected them to even win a game. Now, as fate would have it, if you know the movie, you know where I'm going, that Coach Carter, uh, who, who was an excellent coach, coached them into an actual basketball team. And just like that, the morale on the team was lifted. Just like that, the culture was transformed. Just like that, the temperature of the team was much different this go around than it was the season before to the extent that they actually began to win basketball games and be seen as a good team. Yeah, this same team that was used to losing, this same team that was used to a lack of discipline, this same team that was used to going seasons at a time without winning, now they're winning basketball games. Now they're seeing success in their school's program. And I want you to notice something that happens after they start winning. Yeah, once they started winning, once they started to taste what success feels like, the movie shows that they started feeling themselves just a little bit. Come on, y'all know how we do when we just taste a little bit of success. Listen, for some of us, we ain't got to be millionaires. Just drop a hundred, a couple of hundreds in our bank account, and we start filling ourselves. We go out and start buying all sorts of stuff because we're starting to smell ourselves now that we think we have arrived. And the movie goes that once they began to feel themselves a little bit, once they began to smell themselves just a little bit, there was one game in particular where they were beating their opponent. And watch this, uh, because they now, tasted what success feels like in their minds they said it's not good enough anymore that we just beat you no now we want you to know how more superior we are to you yeah it's not enough that the box score shows that we're the winners and you're the losers no we want to humiliate you and so the movie would show them talking trash and demeaning their opponents just to let them know how much better they were than the team that they were playing they began dancing around after every made basket they began posing for cameras just to let them know that the other team did not even deserve to be on the same basketball court as they were there was a shift that took place place that once they started to sniff success and victory, they began to smell themselves. Now, I love Coach Carter because he wanted none of that thing. 
And at the very next day, at their next practice, what you'll notice in the movie is that Coach Carter begins to treat them the way they were treating the players on the other basketball team that they had just beaten the night before. And once the players started to catch on that something wasn't quite right, Coach Carter sought to teach them a lesson in that moment that he never wanted them to forget. And here was that one message loud and clear. Remember where you came from. Yeah, that's my word to somebody right now. Before you even know where we're going, Coach Carter said to them, remember where you came from. It was just a few months ago that y'all was a sorry basketball team that couldn't pay for a win. And now you smelling yourselves and you think you got something to brag about. He said, remember, don't forget the fact that this ain't about you. This whole thing is not like, how dare you puff your chest out and talk trash to somebody else like y'all wasn't at the bottom of the barrel one season before this, don't forget where you came from. Because if you forget where you came from, then the whole mission of the team begins to fall through the cracks. Now, now friends, it, it could be just me who feels this way. But I just believe, and, 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 I, and the Holy Spirit kind of hit me with this thing, y'all. Uh, I just believe that as believers in God, we are some blessed people. Come on, I know I'm not the only one that, that, that knows how blessed I am as a result of the fact that I know God. I, I know you, Temple of Praise. I, I know enough about you, Grace Community, to know that you all know that the God you serve is a good God, that he blesses his own, that there is favor that comes from the throne room of God, that he just showers down on his children. We're some blessed people. And I wonder if there's anybody that is watching this right now who knows without a shadow of a doubt come what may, uh, that you are blessed by God. And it does not mean that, there's, that, that all days are good days. It does not mean that there are never any bad times or sad times or scary times. But you've just been rocking with God long enough to know that God blesses his children. And so, and so with that in mind, some of us have seen after giving our lives to God, the Lord orchestrate opportunities on our behalf. Uh, many of us have benefited from Christian education as a result of turning over our lives to the Lord. Some of us have avoided prison sentences as a result of giving our lives to God. Some of us have achieved professional success and monetary success, and we've achieved networking success, not because of anything that we did, but simply because the Lord was on our side. Is there anybody watching this that knows that there was a noticeable shift in the trajectory of your life when you gave God control. Come on in here, y'all. I know you ain't been saved and sanctified all the days of your life. I know you haven't always done what the Lord would have for you to do. I'll speak for myself. I know, even born and raised in the church, that there was a noticeable shift in my lifestyle. There was a noticeable shift in the trajectory of my life. There was a noticeable shift in where I was headed when I chose to give my life to God. All I'm suggesting is, is that there are noticeable benefits, noticeable advantages that come along with being in relationship with God. Come on, somebody who feels this, just shout out in your living room, I'm blessed. I'm blessed and I'm thankful for it. I am blessed because I'm a child of God. Go ahead and shout that, y'all. Let the Lord hear you. Let the Lord hear that you're grateful for what he's done in your life. I'm blessed. Now, here's the reality, y'all. Stay with me. 
that many of us, ah, help me Holy Ghost, have gotten to a point where we are now so advantaged, so blessed, where we have benefited from God so greatly from how he has positioned us that our personal success and or advancement, watch this, and how others see us has mistakenly caused us to see ourselves in an elevated and therefore unspiritual light. I need you to catch that with me because I need you to get that in your spirit because of where we're going today. When we're coming back, we're coming back to 1 Corinthians, but I need you to get this in your spirit that I just believe in myself included. And so I'm praying uh, for God's spirit to help me to avoid the temptation of falling into this mess. But I just believe that many of us have gotten to a point because of how much God has done for us that we've become so advantaged. Yeah, we've become so spoiled. We've become so blessed. We have benefited so greatly from how God has positioned us that our personal success, our personal advancement, and even the way others see us has caused us to see ourselves in eventuality in an elevated and then therefore a unspiritual light. In other words, as believers, ours is a community that has been so blessed by God that we've lost sight of God. Ours is a community that has become so advantaged because of God that we have weeded out the need for God. And the reality is that our present society and in our present society, it is largely built on the hinges of knowledge and platforms. Yeah, yeah. Now, now in, in 2020, this thing is all about what you know, right? Everybody has a factual opinion. Everybody has the last word on everything because now society has, gra has gradually moved to a point where everything now is based on knowledge and platform. I get a platform because I want you to know I know what I'm talking about. I, I want a platform because I want the world to know that I've read some books. I want the world to know that I'm learned. I want the world to know about my wisdom. We have a society that is now built largely on wisdom and on platform. And there has never been a time where it has been emphasized more greatly and succinctly than in the pandemic. Yeah, in, in this pandemic right now, two things have become crystal clear. That COVID-19 is a deadly virus. And second to that, everybody knows everything. Like, like, like that's, that's the reality of this pandemic, that everybody has used this opportunity where everybody's locked inside, where, where the hours on social media have skyrocketed, and everybody knows that that's where everybody is. So now, 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 here's what we're seeing, that you can't tell nobody nothing. And here's why, because everybody already knows everything there is to know about everything. In fact, the, the reason or the fact that social media is the main prevailing presence right now in our world during this pandemic, this thing is on full display. Listen, y'all, as much as I love me some basketball, I'm happy that the NBA playoffs are back. As much as I love me some football, Lord, here's the reality. Who needs sports? Like, who needs sports when you can get on Facebook <laughs> and you can get on Instagram? 
And you can get on Twitter and, and you can find philosophical tennis matches back and forth and back and forth between this topic and that topic, between this subject and that subject. And when it really comes down to it, it we're engaging in these kinds of debates and social media wars for one primary reason, and that is to show the world that I know something to prove to people that I know and even I don't know that I know more about something than they do. And so what's interesting, y'all, what's interesting, ah, and, I, and I, I'm loving, I'm falling back in love with the book of 1 Corinthians uh, as I've been reading to get ready for, for today. And what's interesting is that we see Paul, the apostle of 1 Corinthians, dealing with a spiritual environment that is very similar to the one in which we are facing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul, I, I'm declaring that Paul has some experience dealing with the kind of culture, the kind of society that you and I are steeped in right now. The, the city of Corinth, which could easily be known as the epicenter of entertainment, uh, known for being infatuated with, with philosophy and with wisdom, a city that witnessed some of the greatest orators in action in tandem with how, uh, how corrupt and ungodly and lawless and paganistic that city was. Somehow, y'all, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul was able to start a church in that city. And no sooner did he get this church started, he received word uh, that, that the very same issues that were prevalent in the city of Corinth have now infiltrated their way into the church of Corinth. And here is what Paul learned very quickly, y'all. And I'm learning it, and I'm sure you've learned it as well. Everybody wants to appear better than they are in the eyes of others. There it is, y'all. Like, if we're going to pull the blindfold off, if we're going to pull the veil off right here, and we're going we to we get nakedly transparent with this thing, here's what it boils down to. I want to look a certain way in your eyes. Yeah, even as a pastor, I want you to see me a certain way. I want you to think about me a certain way. And that's why we love social media, because I can, I can get in a room and I can make sure the light hits me in a good place. And I can turn some filters on and I can work with that thing. And I can make you think I'm Denzel Washington before that thing is over. The reality is, is that we want people to see us in a certain light, even if that light is not fictional. And so here's the reality that we find in 1 Corinthians that Paul left a spirit-filled church and had to send letters back to a divided and spiritless church. There it is, y'all. And Paul is hurting about this thing. It's hurting him to his core because he knows that the, the condition that they're now in was not the condition he left them in. He knows that he started that church on the foundation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He knows that what he preached there was the cross of Jesus Christ. And now somehow that same spirit-filled church has now transformed into a divided, spiritless church. And my question to us, on behalf of Brother Paul, is how does a church go from spirit-filled to spirit-less and divided? How, how does a people, how does a church go from spirit-filled as its foundation to a divided and spiritless church? And if you allow for me, I, I believe that Coach Carter uh, can help us answer this question because here is what Coach Carter would say loud and clear. 
We forgot where we came from. Can you hear him now as he's teaching his players, saying to them, how dare you poke your chest out and brag to anybody else like you weren't losers when I found you a few months ago. And I can just hear the Apostle Paul, y'all. Listen, I don't believe that was a politically correct kind of brother. I believe Paul spoke the truth in love as it is in Jesus Christ. And I, and I just hear in my spiritual imagination, Paul taking, uh, taking from Coach Carter and saying something like, listen, don't get this thing twisted. You were not chosen by God because you're wise. You were chosen by God because of how much you didn't know. Ah, come on in here. I hope you're feeling this thing the way the Spirit is hitting me with it. Uh, Paul says you were not chosen because of how strong you are. You were chosen because you're weak. Like you weren't chosen uh, because of how great you are. You were chosen because of how needy you are. And you and I, when you get down to the nuts and bolts, you and I were chosen by God so that God could prove to a world that thinks it's smart. So that God could prove to a world that thinks it's wise. So that God could prove to a world that thinks it's mighty that God can do what the world can't do with foolish things. Ah, come on in here. So listen, here, here's where I am, y'all. I don't care what you think about me because I know I'm a foolish thing that God happened to choose and I love it. Yeah, 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 listen, listen, listen. I'm getting happy. I'm about to kick the school out the way. I am excited today, not because of how good I am, not because of how advantageous I am. I'm excited today because I'm a foolish thing, y'all, and I'm not ashamed to say it. I'm a foolish thing that God just so happened to choose, and not only do I know it, but I love it. Somebody who feels what I'm saying today, wherever you are right now, say I'm a foolish thing. Yeah, yeah, don't say I'm beautiful. Don't say I'm wise. Don't say I speak eloquently. I'm foolish, a foolish thing that God so happened to choose. And I love it. Ha! Ah, listen, and Paul, listen, I'm getting happy because these are my words. These are the Apostle Paul. The reason, the reason why I'm so happy to be a foolish thing that God chose is because my life is a testament that I don't have to play by the rules that the world says I have to play by. And God can still put me in places where the world can't touch me. Am I talking to anybody right now who knows you've been positioned by God? You've been placed by God. And I don't care what kind of enemies you have. Like King David says, the Lord has made your enemies into your footstool because God can put you in places your degrees can't keep you. God will put you in places where networking can't get you. God will put you in places where kings can't put you in. And when God places your feet on solid ground, I don't care who it is, the world can't touch you. So I'm excited today, y'all, to be a foolish thing that God chose. And I love it. And I love it, y'all. Here, here's what makes me the most excited about it. I'm a foolish thing that God so happened to choose. And I love it. And here's why I love it, because it gives me the opportunity to boast in Jesus 
every time I win. <laughs> Listen, y'all, I know I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I don't lose all the time. I get some wins sometimes. Just like Coach Carter's players, I experience some victories. I experience some success. And the reason why I'm excited to say that I'm a foolish thing that God chose is because every time I win, it gives me an opportunity to bless the name of the Lord. Every time I win, it gives me the opportunity to extol his name. Every single time I experience success, I can point somebody in the direction of Jesus. And here is why I believe Paul wants us to re-fall in love with the fact that we are foolish things that God chose. We find it right here in verse 29. You got to see it for yourself, y'all. This ain't my word. In verse 29, Paul says, here is why God makes it his business to choose foolish things and not wise things. Yeah, why God bypasses what the world calls strong, bypasses what the world calls wisdom, bypasses what the world calls knowledgeable and noble. God says, I want no parts of that. He says, I want to take foolish things. And here's why God takes foolish things like you and like me. We find it in verse 29 that no flesh should glory in his presence. In other words, in other words, I don't care where you came from. I don't care what your last name is. I don't care what your job title is, who your family is. I don't have any right to boast in myself. Paul says, if you are flesh and bones, don't boast. Ah! If you are flesh and bones, you have nothing to boast about. So, yeah, I'm not going to waste my time boasting in myself, y'all. I'm not going to waste my time glorying in myself. No, and I'm not going to waste my time on social media trying to prove that I'm better than you and I'm smarter than you and I know more than you. No, that is spiritless type stuff. Here's what I'm after. I'm taking every opportunity to bless the name of the Lord. I'm going to boast in Jesus Christ. I'm going to boast in his righteousness. I'm going to boast in his sanctification. I'm going to boast in his redemption. I'm a foolish thing that God so happened to choose. And I love it because it gives me the opportunity to bless the name of the Lord. Family, how do we go from spirit-filled churches to spirit-less churches? It is when we give in to the temptation to boast in anything but Jesus, and God shows, I'm almost done, God shows us exactly what his ideal is. God said, I don't want you to get it twisted. I don't want you to be confused. He says, I want to show you what my ideal is. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Verse 31, verse 31, you with me? The Bible says this, Paul speaking. Paul says, Paul says, here is God's ideal. God's ideal is not that you and I will arrive and then start smelling ourselves. No, here is God's ideal. God's ideal in verse 31 is this, that he who glories, let me stop there. In other words, God is not, God's not saying you and I don't have license to glory. Here's what he's saying. We don't have license to glory in ourselves. We don't have license to glory in our attributes. We don't have license to glory in the things that make us good. Here, here's what the word of God says. Paul says, let him or her who glories, catch this, let them glory in the Lord. Like that's God's ideal. God is not saying don't boast. God is not saying don't glory. He's just saying when you do it, do it in the right way. Boast in the name of Jesus because here's what God wants us to remember. He says, I chose you when you were foolish. <laughs> I chose you when you couldn't put two sentences together. I chose you when you were flunking out of school. 
I chose you when you only had two pennies to rub together, and now you got some money in your pockets, and you can pass some classes. You got some degrees hanging on the wall. You think you something. No, no, no. God said, don't get it twisted. If you're going to boast in something, boast in the Lord. Anything shy of that don't matter. So I'm saying right now, enough is enough. No more social media wars unless it's in the cross of Jesus Christ. No more boasting about what I'm good at. It don't matter. I'm boasting in Jesus because without him, God says it's foolishness. Here it is, y'all. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just happy today that I'm a foolish thing that God so happened to choose. And I love it. And my prayer is that more and more of us will learn to glory in the righteousness of Jesus as we are grateful to him for the fact that God still chooses foolish things. Thank you, God, so much for your word. We thank you, Lord, for reminding us of who we are. But not just that, God, reminding us where we came from, reminding some of us where you found us, the corners you took us from, the bars you removed us from, the beds you got us up from. Lord, help us to remember where we came from, that our lives have not always been getting wins after wins, victory after victory. No, we've taken some losses, Lord. When you found us, you found us in desperate positions. You found us when we were drowning in sin. God, I'm grateful today that you choose foolish things. And so I'm going to glory today, not in myself, not in my abilities. I'm a glory in Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God. Lord, my prayer is that each of us would do that with your help. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. God bless you, family. Family, listen, I hope y'all had as good a time viewing this as we have had recording this worship experience. I am so excited about what God did today. And I just know that as we start of viewing what took place today, that your life will never be the same again. So here's what I'm asking, that you will join us again next week as we continue to bless the name of the Lord together. We pray that you had a good time. Lord, we thank you so much for this experience that we all were able, we're blessed to take part in. And now as we go on to the beginning of another week, we just pray that what was done here today will carry us over until next time. Your name we pray. Amen.